God is asking us to live as self-aware. As aware as he is of how he wants to get close, you should be thinking the same thing after him. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I with The reading this morning is from the Gospel of John. Chapter 15, verses 16 through chapter 16, verse 4. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, who will I send to you from the father? The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God." And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Well, well, so what I want to do today, what what kind of was on my heart to to focus on, uh, was this this word right here, uh, the word go, right there, you see it? You not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go. Go. There's something inherent in the, in the love of God himself that goes outwards, that goes out, has to go out. 
There's something about who he is, about how he loves that cannot be contained. It has to go. It has to move. There's a momentum, a trajectory, an an effusive nature of God's love itself that if we have tasted it, we too will become a people who are sent. It's just the way this this party goes. It's the way this journey happens. It's the way the the church erupts. It's the way the gospel goes forward. There's a going. There's always a going. And I was, I was kind of thinking about this, all right, going and wanting, wanting us to feel this idea of ascent people. I, I was reminded of, of, a, of a parable by Lessing. Now, Lessing was a German writer in the 18th century who took, it, took to heart to, the idea of writing parables again. Now, honestly, I would like to think about how to do this. This is very, very clever, very, very fascinating. Anyway, he told the story of a, of a lemon tree. In the, in the orchard, and, and there's a lemon tree and, uh, surrounded by apple trees. But one day, uh, the, in the lemon tree, in the trunk, there was a hole, and a, a, a bee, uh, bees found a home there, and they built a hive. And as they built a hive, of course, the, the hive grew, and, and honey began to drip from the lemon tree. And the lemon tree began to boast over all the other trees. I have a sweeter taste than all of you. I can beat all of you when it comes to how sweet the savor is inside of me. To which all of the apple trees responded, your fruit is still just as bitter. Is that us? Is that a problem we have? Is there a, I worry about this. Having received a message of love and joy, do, do we tend to wrap it up in our hearts? Do we tend to want to possess it for ourselves? And, and so something we can delight in and maybe eat from it. And it doesn't have, or maybe it doesn't partake in something that produces a result in who we are, some change in who we are, some going. Because a lot of us, a lot of you are very shy. I'm going to tell you about going and you're going to go, I don't want to go. I'm not going anywhere. I know this is one of those going sermons. Oh gosh, I, I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready, Chris. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to this. I'll just have to survive the next 30 minutes, feel a little guilt, and, and I'll just go lie down and watch, I'll go watch the game and forget about it. Right? <sighs> but I, I'm hoping, uh, my hope's in the Holy Spirit, not in me, not in my preaching. My hope's in the Word of God. So, right, so, so the, the Word talks about this today. But I want us to get going. And there's a sense of going. A sense that we must go. A sense that drives, a purpose that inflames, an availability that, that's demanded by love. And that we will begin to live and act like this overflow. We will be on the trajectory of our God. All right, so what, you know what I want to do? How am I going to tell you to go unless you, don't, unless you know the God who goes? Because that's who he is. He's the God who goes. He's the God who, he's full of his own momentum and his love. And his, he has a trajectory. And, 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 and so I think by learning by, there's a, there's a great, uh, there's a wonderful poem. I think it's... I'm rasping straws here. You can look it up. You can look it up for me while I'm standing here. But uh, we learn by going where we have to go. I think it might be Anne Sexton who said that. I can't remember who wrote it. But we learn by going where we have to go. Oh, there's so much truth in them. We learn by the process of going where we have to go. Wouldn't we even learn more if we look at his going? If we're a part of his going, if we, if we begin to see that we're a part of the momentum of God, that you, Raina, and you, you, Doug, here sitting here today are cast in promises about the trajectory of the, of the, of the love of God. All right. That's, that's, he is the God who sends. And let's, this is, this is, 
This is, he is the God who goes, I'm sorry. And so we are a sent people. He is the God who goes, so we must be a sent people. All right, how does he go? Well, I want, there's three ways I want to tell the story. I want to tell it as a Bible story. I want to tell it as a timeless story, greater than time. And I want to tell it as a personal story. Because those are the ways he goes and the way he sends. And, and, and if we know him, we're going to be caught up. In, in, his, in, in the Bible story. We're going to be caught up in the, in the timeless story, and we're going to be caught up in the personal story. It'll become our story, as it were. But first of all, let's just talk about the Bible story. And, and, uh, and I want you to see there's a, there's a biblical momentum, and this is right where David's talking about uh, building a temple, and God won't let him. But this, li- listen to what it says. I have not lived, this is God speaking, in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. That would have been, you know, over 400 years at this point. Uh, and, but I have been moving about what? In a tent. Why? Why in a tent? Why? Well, what was the purpose? Why would God say my abode will be a tent? Because his people, his friends, the people he loved, the people he cherished, the people he had chosen, the people he was living with, living, were living in tents. A little footnote, don't despise the people out here living in tents on the street. Don't despise them. We, we once lived in tents as the people of God. It's tempting to look down on people like that, and our generation does, and thinks that they're all uh, in ruin or destruction or, or maybe some, up to some wickedness. Do you not believe that? Homelessness is not a crime itself. And, and uh, remember, our Savior himself never, never uh, had no place to lay his head. And so uh, people on the street, in a sense get to participate in some of his holiness. They do, they get to participate in some of his, his work. All right, so anyway, here's, but he wants to be like his, all right, that's interesting, okay. Uh, uh, I, you're in a tent, he built a tent called the tabernacle. Then, th- then he said uh, in 1 Kings 5, 17, at the king's command, this is when they start building the temple now, they quarried, that king would have been uh, um, uh, Solomon at this point, the, the costly stones in order to what? Lay the foundation of what, what is now, what is not a tent anymore, what is it? It's a house. It's got bricks. It's got mortar. It's got a roof. It's got a lintel. It's got rooms, just like your place. <laughs> it's got a room that if some guests go in and, some, and guests don't go in. It's got its own private place, just like we do. We have, we have our private rooms that people don't enter. And it's the same thing. And, and in fact, and, and, and God, so God, God in his intentions, you see it, there's a trajectory of his going. He goes to them right where they are in the tent. And then he goes to them and he says, give me a house. I'm going to live in a house. You're in a house. I'll have a house. All right. Now, now well, it gets better though. It gets even more vivid. They lose that house. That house gets burned down. It gets reduced to rubble. Well, where's God living now? Can you hear the panic? I mean, seriously, if you believe God lived in a house, you would be worried if the house got burned down. But... When we, meet the, when we meet God's work next, after the king, after the, after the, uh, it's going to be destroyed. Now, as it looked at the living creatures, there's a, there's a view of glory that Ezekiel has. And all the people of God are mobile. They've been taken out of Jerusalem. They've been taken from their homes, which means they're all traveling in what? Carts. Just like kind of the old West, you know, like a little, little caravan. Get the picture, because that's what it was. They were in carts. So how does God reveal his presence and his glory to them? I'm on wheels too. You're on wheels? I've got a big wheel. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I, you're on wheels? I am on wheels with you. 
Even the very images of the prophet are meant to communicate what? Trajectory. I'm, I'm the God who goes. I'm the God who goes. That's why you're a sent people. I'm a God who goes, and I go after my people. Now, having said all that, well, 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 which one do you want? you want? You want to build a tent for the church, or do you want to build a house, or do you want to be portable and live in a wagon? Anybody got any? Let's talk about the vision of First Press. Which one do you want? You see how you might be mistaken in thinking that God is in the house, or God is in the tent, or God is in the wagon, right? That's not the point, is it? That's not the point that God is in those things. God isn't in buildings. Everybody thinks of, well, you know, I'm a church planter. I remember people thinking, oh, you mean you build church buildings? It's <laughs> the first thing people think. They think a church is a building. And our Savior was at pains to tell people that was not true. He was at pains to tell the woman at the side of the road, uh, the, the woman in uh, Samaria, that, that God is not worshipped in, in anything made by human hands, but he is in spirit. And God is worshipped in spirit and in truth. He is the living God. But he, what is Christ is just quoting something that even that Samarian woman should have known. That's Isaiah 66. That's what God said to his people. Lest they, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? What is the place? It's not possible. Now, that's where we learn. We learn a riddle here. that The God who goes, his going is teaching us something. His going. What is his going teaching us? Our own, first of all, it teaches us the nature of his love. It is a love that wants to be present. So what's the invitation here? Okay, so if this is God's story, you being in this room is God continuing the story. You get it? It's the continuing story of his presence with us and us with him and us, our presence even with each other. What is the trajectory of your life? Is it your mere safety? Is it to mass good teaching into your core? Or is it to be something different and new that produces new fruit? That's moving. You see? We tend to take religious truth and religious ideas and we hoard them because they are so sweet and pleasant, right? Because they are so good. Not realizing that the minute we hoard them, they begin to rot. <laughs> they begin to decay. They have to go out. Everything, everything about God's love is a trajectory out of itself and to others. That's the trajectory of the whole story of the Bible, you see. And, and, and so Christ, is, he wants you to be on story here. He wants you to be on story. Look at, he said, why is he saying this? I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, what's he saying? All those ancient stories where men were worried about whether God was going to be with them, God was saying, I know you're in a tent, I'm right there with you. I know you're in a house, I'm right there with you. I know you're, you're homeless, I'm right there with you. Well, what is that? It's it's, it's him saying, I'm, he's preparing us for an hour that's coming where he's going to be right there with us. But it's an hour of what? It's an hour of suffering is coming. Part of this whole story of God coming into the world has a, has a story of loss in it, has a story of rejection, has a story, we'll, talk, we'll look more at that. But, but, but what I'm most excited about this, though, is not only that we would, we, as we tell our story, we'll know that he's a part of it, but we'll also know, we'll also know that that, uh, that he means to use us in and through it. I have my notes right here. I'm not, I'm not even looking at it. So it's, it's, our, it's our opportunity and now to make this our story and to live in intention. You see, uh, what, is this, is it, what, is this, what is this actually inviting you? I've said these things to you that the hour comes. Oh, there's another one. Um, uh, you will bear witness. Uh, and then later he'll remind you of things and stuff like that. Um, what's the other one? 
Uh, anyway, so you can think about it later. You'll, you'll remember these words. Uh, so my point here is uh, God is he's asking us to live as self-aware. That's what he's inviting you into. In other words, you're to, as aware as he is of how he wants to get close, you should be thinking the same thing after him. You see, how can I be present in other people's lives? How can I be present with real living truth for them and with them? You see, it's, not a, it's to go to those who hate us and love them anyway. Just, just as his story goes. And this is Christ, as God lives with a sense of purpose, we are invited into purpose. Purposeful living with the idea that we have a perspective from eternity at all times. And that perspective how it guides us and it controls us and we know we're a part of an ongoing story. You see, and the story has chapters and hours in it, right? That are gonna be hard. So remember these things. Remember that because you're a part of that story. Praise him. Now let's enact the story. You know, there's funny, I think there's new ways we can get close to believer, uh, non-believers, get close to the world, get close to, to be with them and appear like them. And we have to be looking for these doors, the doorways that will open in our lives and build bridges here. Because that's what God was doing that whole time. What was he doing? He's building a bridge of meaning between him and his people so they would know about his love. Do you have bridges of meaning built into your life where there are people that can walk across them and know they're invited and know they're a part of the story? Are you living as a part of a story? Or are you scripting yourself all the time? You see, this is an invitation to be a part of his trajectory, his momentum, his because he is the God who goes. Therefore, we are sent people. We are sent people. We are people going ourselves. So this self-awareness throughout history, I think needs to become the self-awareness of our story. It's not merely his story. And so what are your historical expectations? Rethinking your purpose as a church. You know, we've been talking about this. If God is the one who goes and he's the one who's, and we become a sent people, we have to remember our hours coming and remember everything he said, right? This is part of our purpose as a church, to be ascending people. And there's a death in that. There's a sadness in it. There's a grieving. There's a sense of loss. I want to praise him with it. I want to bring it to him. Well, let's look at the next part of this story. It's not nearly a Bible story. Uh, it's also a timeless story. I want you to see uh, that, that the idea of God going, the idea of the momentum of his love comes from where? It comes from an eternal covenant. Now, you have to hear the word eternal here. Eternal means no beginning and no end. It, does, it, it always implies extension both ways. It never, it's not, eternal is, is, is great, is greater than all. And there's an idea here outside of space and time that an agreement to love you and forge a love on the cross for you was arranged and enacted and planned out. Praise him. This is amazing. We are part of a timeless story. Look how timeless the story is. We're told in the final judgment of Revelation that that, that, that judgment is subject to this. Whoever was written before the foundation of the world. All of space and all of time bows like servants to the king. He is his king, his kingdom and his purposes are greater. Praise him. Uh, this is who we are. The eternal creator God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is not a part of reality. It is, he is his own reality. <laughs> he is not subject to things. He's not in the creation. He's not a created thing. The created universe, the cosmos, is this ancient and vast beyond conception, but finite. And God, I want you to have this picture of the eternal creator, God. This white field goes every direction, even towards you, like every, every vector, right? Every axis. He is greater than the universe. 
eternally. This is a timeless story. In this, in this timelessness, we begin to get clues, and he tries to give us clues about his, about his ascending God, and we are, we are a going God, and we are sent people. If you were of the world, the cosmos, you would, cosmos would love you. You would fit in. But what is, that, what is that picture that I just put up there of the circle and the arrow imply? That God and anybody of him are not a part of that world anymore. You see, there's a, in, there's a divide here. God is not the same as the universe. The universe is not, they are not the same thing. He supports it all. He creates it, right? He surrounds it with his love. Every atom in it bounces by his will and his command. That's the way it is. He is that great of a God. Now, this, this tells you something, though, that what has happened when you know Christ and you are in God and you know him by his blood, you know him by faith, is you're, you're an alien now. You're an alien in a way you never thought was possible. You're more alien than matter. You are not, like you are alien in a supra alien sense. You are now all and a part of an infinitely great reality that is greater than the stars, greater than the, the galaxies. And that's you, you and me. And, and so what Christ points out is you're, that's, that's an invitation to trouble because you know full well that we don't react well to aliens, do we? Not by nature, not by the movie, if the movies are any indication. No, but, but what is alien to us is frightening. What is alien to us is other. What is alien to us is against us. We, it is the outside, is, and, and that is how the world, if, and this is, this is look, this, it is almost in the text mentions this, and it's an important thing to notice. They hated me without a cause, it's irrational. It doesn't, you will reckon, you'll sit there and go, why? Nobody, nobody ever yells at a Buddhist like this. Why are they yelling at me like this? It's, we, it's weird. Um, because in some ways, I think that Arnoff and I were talking about this this week, that, that, that this, that Arnoff correctly saw it. Because this worldview here, sorry, uh, this, uh, sorry, done wrong way. This worldview here, uh, there we go. Uh, this worldview here is an either-or, right? You're in or you're out. It's one of those things you don't really notice about Christianity and how there's a certain severity built into it. There's a certain sort of, there's thresholds that, that, that honestly, and I think Arnav is being quite frank about this, it's just kind of offensive. It's kind of what, what? What? It's this either-or with God. He's kind of like, oh my goodness, and I told Arnav what I tell you. If you have seen this, then you have seen my God. Yes, there is, a, there is a challenge. There is an alien righteousness for you. There is an alien righteousness when you believe in Jesus at the cross and all of his blood is applied to you and all his righteousness. What is that love and that righteousness? It's a righteousness and love from outside space and time. And that's why it's so permanent. <laughs> that's why it can't be rejected. That's why you can't break it and you can't lose it and you can't run from it because it's so much bigger than you. It's bigger than the universe. <laughs> the love that chases you is bigger than space and time. Praise him. There's so much rejoicing in here, isn't there? There's so much opportunity for us to really lay hold of God's promises with new joy, but there's also an imperative. There's also an imperative in it, or there's, it makes sense of the imperative that we are going to hit a hatred that doesn't make sense. 
you know, uh, my mom and dad tell the story, and it's it's a and I told it many times in my life, and it's a it's a it's a, a one to tell. When when my dad was dealing drugs in the early '60s, he was everybody's buddy. He was popular. It was exciting. We're gonna drop acid and touch God. That was my dad was preaching, teaching, and living. Everybody's cool with that. Then my mom and dad uh, they, they 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 got rid of that scene and they turned to and they were into transcendental meditation. Ooh, that's groovy. TM man, we're gonna check in and check out, baby. Right? We're gonna get we're gonna get higher. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do all these things that are gonna change us internally. Uh, and it's weird. Then after transcendental meditation, mom and dad hopped onto the Zen Buddhist train. They were on that Zen Buddhist train for years, and everybody was like, "Man, you know what's cool about Craig and Sue, my mom and dad? They're just so far out, man. They they take it to the limit." They're extreme people, but yeah, that's so cool. That's so, tell me more about it, Craig. Tell me more about it, Sue. All that insanity. And then when mom and dad became Christians, nobody called them back anymore. People said, get out. People said, don't bring me that crap, that garbage. I want nothing to do with that. I hate that. Do you notice it just, well, we're gonna look at it in a second how personal it all is. So what are we, what are we being, we're, I'm inviting you to understand, to expect friction, and to realize you're not of this world, and that is why, why the friction exists, just the way Christ predicted it right here. And it doesn't make sense, but it's real, and it hurts. You will be avoided, mocked, you will be rejected, you will be talked about behind your back. People won't give you money because of it. People will think you're nuts. People will make fun. Just go on and on and on. People look you in the eye. This is my favorite one. Gee, you don't look like somebody stupid enough to believe that. That's the best compliment I can usually get. Right? I thought you were, you seemed pretty intelligent. All right, so we look at this transcendence, and the way that God's transcendent love invites us into understanding ourselves and his love, invites us into joy, invites us into praise, invites us into certainty about his love, and invites us to understand why we're so different. Hmm, good stuff. But that transcendence is not where he leaves us. It's not the only place he leaves us, because it's a personal story. It's, it's a per, what, what does he do? God, God, God says, not only am I greater beyond your comprehension, vaster than space and time in all of my choices, do you know what my motive is? Do you know what, where it originates? Do you know what gets me up in the morning to run the universe? <laughs> do you know why, what it is that drives me relentlessly to go as God? It's... It's love. <laughs> it's love. Love winds up being a fire greater than the engines that drive quasars and galaxies. It's love. God clues us in that his entire intention has been to give of himself. That's why he dies at the cross. He will empty himself of all but love in order to save us. It's just this emptying that happens. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's our way. It's, it's the going that sends us, <laughs> right? It's the going that ennobles us. It's the going that propels us. It's his going to us. His extending to us his love. And this is, this is a game changer, right? He's telling you what his motive's for. And not just his motives, but his MO, his modus operandi. His motives are of a pure love that even gives of his own son. Praise him, praise him forever. But not only that, he shows his love and that it goes after us even when we didn't love it, even when we didn't want it. 
even when we were probably hostile to it, even when we were just, you know, coming to work. Maybe we're just, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a love that is pursuing us, that is chasing. There's a, lo- there's a love in this that, that is the, the pursuit of a lover, you know, that, that he would do whatever he can to, to show love to you and to make you know that his love is what purchased and what drove him. And what, amen. What is this an invitation to? It's an invitation for us. This is what this whole text is about, remember? It's all, brothers, I, what do I command you? That you love one another. That you love one another. What does love do? Knowing that I will be hated, knowing I will be mocked, knowing I will be ridiculed, I go anyway. Because love is always, true love is always that which loves. Truly, true love is always a love for what doesn't love you back. It's the truest love possible. It's the love which doesn't give you a reward, which doesn't give you any reason to love. It's love given freely. That's how God loves us. Oh, yes. What is this an invitation? That we are to go to those who hate us. <laughs> this is it is his own personal equipping. It's like there's this, there's we're animated by a new energy in the world. I, I don't even know what to tell you beyond this. I this is the personal story. And it, I want you to notice this. This is why hatred is the response. You get it? It's all personal. You would think that, that the world's response would be like, well, I don't find that to be true and go off. You know, like you would expect it would be dismissive. It would be apathetic, but it isn't. It isn't just apathetic. It's violent. It is personal because it's personal for him, you see. It is per- everything is personal for him and his love. Everything we have done, everything we are, it's all personal. And so it all creates a personal response. It all creates its opposite where, where people will not receive the love of God in the face and the gift of his son and the cross, you see. That's a love greater than, that's, that's the love that chased us while we were still sinners. And, and so... I guess when in this final thing, I would see uh, this almost like a personal equipping that happens here. This is how personal it gets. How personal does it get when the helper comes? All right, so get this. So God, 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 our Father is not only on a journey to tell a story of getting into your house and your heart and your tent and your and your wheels. <laughs> All right, wherever you are in locomotion or living, wherever you are, He's at this wonderful engagement with your with your lo- your life like this. Beyond that, His love. Is, as being in that immediate is also founded and standing and stable across all of the of, of eternity itself. And so the love and plans that, that are ex- executed here today are greater than space and time. I praise him. I can't be defeated. Praise him, right? We are now we and now finally though. What, where does this all come to bear? Now it comes to bear in a personal knowledge of him, a personal connection with him and to him through the Holy Spirit. Watch this, watch this. Um, the helper comes, what's he gonna do? He's gonna bear witness. Because look, how, I know how many of you are gonna stare and go, you know, all this going just scares the living daylights out of me. But who bears witness? It's not you. It's him that bears witness. You also will bear witness. Is merely the continuation of this, you see? He's the one bearing witness. When you go and speak, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He has a personal connection. He will personally be there for you if you will be engaged and going, present, and available for his will for others. Telling them about Jesus, giving them, giving of yourself sacrificially, and all the message of grace. In fact, even our suffering, 
Yeah, you know what? In the end, that elementary illustration works a bunch of ways because in the end, sometimes I feel like all I have is lemons, right? Sometimes I feel like I have a lot of suffering, a lot of fear, a lot of failure, a lot. But what does this timeless story and this timeless love prove? Jesus is into making lemonade. He brought his own sweetener. He's, he, he can handle this. He can transform what we are doing and how we are living into something life-giving, into something that people want to drink of. And that's what you and I are supposed to be. Now, you and I, if we are like him and he is in us and we have his love, then the, trans, the transitive qualities all apply. And what that means is if you can sit on your butt and not care about the people around you with the message of Jesus and sacrificial love, then you're full of it. And it's not the Holy Spirit. Let us be a people filled. And finally, you know, he, I, look, that last, that last message is meant to, you know, convict us a little bit. Ooh, a little, ooh, ow, ouch, Jesus. Ooh, Chris, oh, man. But I want you to hear, even when you hear the cut and you hear the blow and you hear the, the confrontation of, of, of your heart, let's, let's ask him now. Because remember, Prayer is the centerpiece of this entire passage. Let's pray now to be the people who go, that he would send us. Let us now be available to the Spirit for conversations that would be surprising. Let's take risks in places that we wouldn't have taken them before as we're guided. Let me tell you, be sensitive about this. And I really tell you, develop a sensitivity where you ask God, is this a place where I'll be able to talk about you? Ask that everywhere you go. Live in the intention of the story. Because the place where you go is a place scripted. God brought you to the place in your school, the place in your life, whether you're on the street, wherever you're doing, wherever you, God has scripted this. It's a part of his story that he's, and he is reaching through you and through your words and life to bring the knowledge of his son, the knowledge of the saving love of Jesus to everybody here. Do you want to be a part of that? I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. I, I, brothers and sisters, yes, yes. I, I, I guess in the end, what I'm hoping will happen by the Holy Spirit now is that something centrifugal, right? Something, uh, something. What happens when you start spinning something? Uh, you can, you know, it, it's it, the, the force goes outwards. That's the kingdom. That if the Holy Spirit is here and He has used my words, then there is a centrifugal force that you've got to be fighting right now, because you're sitting there right now going. Yeah, but I'm not going to talk to her because she just, yeah, I can feel I should probably talk to that. Oh, you know, I should probably invite that. Oh, and you, I know you're fighting the centrifugal force of the kingdom. It's an eternal force. So good luck. Good luck. You may think you're an immovable object, but you're really not. God can move anything and anybody. And so I see, I see this. I'm, I'm praying that that's what the Holy Spirit is doing now as he, bear witness, as he bears witness now through me. How's that? Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for making plans before there were atoms or light and saying, I want to love those folks and I'm going to write their name down and never stop thinking about them. And then you waited 14 billion years. And then we were here. That was nothing to you. And all your plans were in place. You are so, you are that good. Now we're a part of them, and you are the God who goes. And that is why we have hope. And if you're the God who goes, then let us be the people who are sent. And the Holy Spirit, come and send us. 
All right, get us out of our comforts. Get us out of our of our uh, of our uh, loving to have uh, sweet things for ourselves. Uh, get us out of our comfort place in church and Christian community, and get us onto the street. And I pray for that blessing, Father. I pray for that pouring, outpouring. I pray for that motion, <laughs> momentum. <laughs> yes, Father, do that now by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.